Good evening, everybody, from a wintry Melbourne location. This is episode 138 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Now, 138 is the sum of four consecutive primes, 29, 31, 30, 27, and 41. Okay, don't know why I got that order, but anyway, it's an exciting fact. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, the 2015 ITTF Australian Open concluded over the weekend, so we'll be discussing the results and talking about the best moments. And in the questions, we'll discuss superstitions, return boards, and joining a club. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosero is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Good evening, Jeffrey, and uh, another great fun fact about those numbers. Isn't that great? I love it. It is it is indeed. Now, we were up at sunny Gold Coast just over the weekend, and now we're back in wintry Melbourne weather. Not quite as yes. nice, is it? Yeah, the weather was definitely a little bit nicer up uh, on the Gold Coast. Um, so if anyone planning a holiday to Australia, don't head to Melbourne right now at this time of year. Head up north, Gold Coast, and further. Beautiful weather. Well, yeah. not beautiful, but, yeah, warm anyway. Warmer. Indeed. So, yeah, so the Australian Open, it was pretty exciting stuff and we were lucky to be commentating on the matches. So you can all check out our great commentary at the ITTF website and click on ITTV and you'll find the Australian Open there to watch some really exciting matches. Yeah, and it also, I think it also went live to a few countries as well. So, um, yes, hopefully you've already got it. And if you haven't already got it, I think... um, there's quite a few other countries that are going to take the feed um, delayed. So, yeah, so you might get a chance to to see some of that as well. Yeah, so why don't we go through some of the results and, you know, some of the exciting moments, Alice? Yeah, well, um, was it was it was great. I'm just uh, going to have a look at the the results to refresh the memory. But um, so the men's singles final was uh, Jung Young-sik, the Korean, and... Uh, uh, Kwong Kit Ho from Hong Kong. Um, really entertaining match. Good modern table tennis. Jung Young Six got a ridiculously good backhand, um, flicky backhand. And also his return of serve was great. So just getting in and, and utilising the wrist and really ripping up the back of the ball um, on his return of serve. Loved it. Loved it. And he was so brave, you know, in the points. He was just in there and just spinning hard. Uh, whenever he got the opportunity, had um, Kim Tech Sue in his corner, which for me was um, was good because I did um, you know grow up watching Kim Tech Sue and had a chance to play him once in Australia as well. But um, Jung Young Sik sort of was almost the modern um, bravery of Kim Tech Sue. You know, Kim Tech Sue used to just get around and use his um, forehand everywhere and just go for it, whereas Jung Young Sik is in the middle of the table playing backhands, but still same uh, mental attitude, really going after the ball, spinning the ball hard whenever he got a chance. So um, really, really nice to see. And and his opponent, uh, Ho Kwon Kit, or Kwon Kit Ho, uh, similar, you know, just uh, really, really beautiful forehand, such a sweet forehand um, topspin. And, you know, whenever he got the opportunity, it just made it hard for whoever he was playing. So uh, the the other thing that surprised me, Jeff, was the number of left-hand, right-hand matches we saw during the day. I haven't actually gone back and and tallied it up, but I don't think there were too many 
matches where there were two right-handers involved. And there are, there were none with two left-handers either. So, um, yeah. Yeah, was, the, the number of left-hand, right-hand matches, that was the most common match, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, and in that, in that men's final, I thought that the big difference was um, Jung's backhand, just a little bit faster and a little bit more powerful. Um, and like you said, it was it's not a huge stroke in terms of the length of the stroke, but the power he generates is amazing. It's great whippy backhand. And the other big difference was how well Jung returned Ho's serve. In the quarterfinals and semifinals, Ho won a lot of points off his serve, but Jung counteracted that with some great, yeah, backhand side spin flicks and just good returning in general. Yeah, so we talked a lot about, you know, the, the backhand side spin flick, but when we look at it too, like it's almost just a, a just a straight top spin half the time as well. So it, there isn't as much curve as some of the other players, um, uh, some of the Chinese players and things, but he's just really ripping up the back of the ball and just utilising his wrist. Love it, love it. Um, but And then just got himself into a good position after that, backhand flicky ball, then he was then ready to play his backhand top spin or or um, pound his forehand when he got the opportunity as well. So, yeah. yeah. So that, was- that was good. Um, and then in the women's singles, um, Alois, another big match, and I Fukuhara, one of the most popular players in the world and especially in Japan, was out in Australia. And great to see such a, you know, a popular player here in Australia. Yeah, it certainly was. So I Fukuhara, um, we saw the semi uh, where she beat uh, Hyun Jong Moon from Korea, um, 4-0, and just looked so superb in that match. Just um, uh, Moon is a pinhole player um, with a Japanese pinhole um, style, so only using the forehand side. So Fukuhara was able to just outplace her beautifully, you know, just... Um, keep it into a backhand corner when she tried to pivot, play down the line to the forehand. Um, yeah, just played the game beautifully tactically um, as well as, you know, just the actual execution of the strokes and um, and really carved her up in the semis. And then against um, John Jihee in the final as well, beautiful display. John Jihee's got a really nice game. You know, she, she just, she's nice topspin off both sides, stays close to the table. Um, but uh, Fukuhara was just that little fraction faster than her and was able to push her back. So Fukuhara uses short pimples on the backhand, which helps her to just generate the speed um, on the backhand side, which often caught uh, Ji He um, off guard by just um, the speed that she was playing on the, on the backhand side. But, uh, yeah, just overall, just great to watch those players. And as you said, to have a player like um, Fukuhara in Australia, you know, um, she has a statue at Tokyo Airport. So, you know, an absolute ornament, literally, of the game. Um, So, uh, yeah, for us, a really great experience. Yeah, and I I was really pleased, you know, at at how happy they were about winning the Australian Open. Um, Fukuhara hasn't actually won a World Tour title for a number of years now, so she was just extremely excited to win and it was uh Jung Sik Jung's first um pro tour or world tour title so um they were obviously really excited about that Alois yeah yeah it was it, it, it was nice to see wasn't it the elation afterwards um and this is something that we've talked about before 
um, about our world table tennis and just how a lot of the players don't do themselves justice by um, their reaction after the match. You know, often it's just the walk up, dead fish handshake, and, you know, they walk off. And I think that really detracts from the spectacle. And for the spectators as well, it, it, it just doesn't give them that um, elation at the end, um, you know, something that they can celebrate with. So, um, yeah, it was really nice to see that, um, that the reaction from both Fukuhara and uh, uh, Jung Young-sik. Indeed, yeah, that that was my favourite moments um, when both of those players were winning and, and just their celebrations afterwards. Great yeah. to see. We now, didn't we, yeah. we didn't get a chance to see Mima Ito because she uh, crashed out a little bit earlier. But um, good news for Mima Ito, she's now in the top ten in the world, so uh, she's broken into the top ten, which is just fantastic. At age, indeed. Now we've. Um, have we got any fun facts from the Australian Open? Oh, I reckon we can find some fun facts on Spinify, Jeffrey. Um, yep. So I'll have to uh, just go into the, some fun facts. Let's go with the Australia, the women's, sorry. Let's go with the women's singles fun facts. Um, just going to go down to them. Da, 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 da. So biggest losing scores. Jan Fang Lei, our own Australian player, actually won seven more points than her opponent, but still lost the match. Seven points. That is huge, isn't it? That's nearly a whole game. It's a big differential, isn't it? Yeah, but still managed to lose the match. So um, just having a look at the scores. Yeah, so she lost three games, 10-12, 10, 10-12, 9-11. So, and she won a game 11-4 and another one 11-5. So that's what brought it about. But you know what they say? It's about the games. That's the that's the scoring system. So that's the way you just have to do it. There you go. Very and interesting stuff. I'm just going to have a look at the, some fun facts in the men's singles, Jeff, and see if I can find some there. Um, men's singles. So Cedric Nuitink. Nuitink, we, we, we were shown how to say that properly. Um, hopefully I got that right. Um, now, Cedric Nuitink won one extra point than his opponent as well. And he's the only one in the men's singles draw that won more points than his opponent but lost the match against uh, uh, Sui Heng Lam. So, yep. There you go. All right, well, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to all of the Australian Open results that we have on spinify.com and you'll be able to check out those fun facts that Alois mentioned, plus all the draws, head-to-heads of the players, all that kind of stuff. So check out spinify.com and click on the results link and I'll put those links in the show notes. All right, Alois. Let's, uh, shall we move on to the uh, ping skillers question of the day? Yes, from yes, from last or oh, yesterday was it? Was it? No, last week. Last week. Last week, indeed. And the the last thing, Silas, question of the day was: If you had a whole lot of money, what racket would you buy? And boy, we did we have a lot of responses on on uh, our Facebook page. Um, so Brendan said he would buy our rackets, Jeff. So brilliant, there you good, go. good one, Brendan. <laughs> But if I cannot get those, I'm itching to try the Zhangzhi Super ZLC. So, um, 
Yeah, so quite a few different ones. And <laughs> Sammy's put a picture of um, who was that again, Jeff? With the big bat? Oh, that oh was... Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yes, it is Warren Buffett. The Warren Buffett with an world. absolute with an absolutely huge table tennis bat. So that's the one that uh, Sammy wants wants to buy. George Christou wants um, Krianga's Krianga Carbon, the silver finish, which is now L, uh, available. Krianga is awesome. We know that, George. We do know that. And um, yes, and then on our blog, we also had some um, some responses. I just need to find them now. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> Nigel, no, Naranjan. Naranjan said, um, he agrees with what Dita said, so I better say what Dita said. Can't find it. Anyway. Um, Show more comments, I think. Yeah, Dita said it's not really about the bat. I think that's basically his sentiment. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, and then, you know, Nigel said in answer to the pink... Squirrel's question of the day. Even though I've had a whole lot of money having started making my own blades from balsa core and different veneers, I would never go back to buying blades. And that was really interesting. So then Nigel also um, described the process that he uses to make some bats. And he's also sent some pictures of his bats. So um, we're going to uh, put a picture up on um, that blog as well when we get a chance. So, yes, uh, I'll try and put those pictures up uh, later tonight. So you'll see yeah. um, Nigel's uh, bat. Oh, Nigel? Yeah, Nigel, that's right. Yeah, yeah Nigel. Nigel's bats. Uh, really good pictures of the bats he's made. So that will be interesting too. Yes. So, yeah, so lots lots of different ideas from people. And, um, yes, but um, Dita said, if I had a whole lot of money, I would start working four to five Four out, four, four out of five days and hire a coach to train me on Fridays. Equipment is, apart from buying a decent bat once and maintain it forever, accidental to progress. I like it, Dita. I like your sentiments. All right. That moves us on to the Ping Skillers question of the day. And that is, what was the standout performance at the World Tour Australian Open? So let us know who you thought was, you know, the best and what was the standout performance. And, again, I'll put that on the Facebook page or you can comment on our blog or our YouTube channel or our Google Plus page. Lots of ways to get involved with Thing Skills. And if you haven't um, had a look at those matches, uh, get onto the ITTV site and, uh, as Jeff said earlier, then you'll be able to watch a whole heap of those matches. Indeed. Good, good idea, Alloys. All right, on to the questions. First up, a question from Nigel who says, what superstitious ritual prior to a match helped you play your best? Uh, Nigel, yes, there were a few. <laughs> um, um, I did comment on this um, in the Ask the Coach question and Nigel came back and said he thought I was a bit loopy. I think I think that was the basic um, premise of it. But <coughs> And he's probably pretty right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, you know, I had a few. I used to um, always like to wear a red shirt, just one of those things. Um, and I also, in the warm-up, I used to always like to lose the last point in the warm-up. So, um, so I'd always start warm-ups on the back end because being a lefty, the right-hander always went forehand. And then I'd move over to the forehand and the last 
last ball of the warm-up, I'd always uh, topspin it off the end of the table. Why? It makes no sense at all. I understand that. It's just one of those things I used to do. What about so you? Did you get really depressed if you actually won the last point? Like they just missed the ball <laughs> and said, are you ready? No, I just used to say, no, 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 can we do another one? Can we play another <laughs> Not ready, not ready. And did any of, your, any of your opponents know about this? Otherwise, it would have been a really terrible warm-up because you both would have been trying to lose the point. No, no, that's... This is the first time I've bared my soul, Jeffrey. Oh my goodness, that is that is very strange. I must admit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, superstitious for me. I'm not overly a superstitious person, really. Um, so I don't think I had a lot of superstitions. You must have had one, Jeff. You must must have had one little thing you used to do. Really? I mean, so long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nothing. I mean, I don't mind embarrassing myself like you did by admitting that fact before. I just can't think of anything right now. That's not embarrassing, is it? Sure. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. I don't know. I'll, I'll think. If I think of something, I'll let you know. Good, good. Make sure you do. All right. And it'd be interesting for uh, for others if they do have any other silly superstitions that they might want to uh, put them on the blog or on the Facebook page. I'm sure Jeff will put a little um, piece up there on Facebook as well. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Donato who says, I have a table in my garage and since it's hard to find partners in this period, I thought to train with a return board. What do you think about it? Could it be useful or would it be better to buy a robot? And just remember, I'm a beginner. Hey, Donato, yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of return boards just because I think it's really difficult to, to play with them, especially if you're a beginner. I think you've actually got to be quite reasonably skilled to be able to keep the ball in play with the return board. I, I've, having said that, I've only tried them once or twice, Um and after a little while, I was able to get a bit of rhythm with it. But, yeah, I just didn't think it was that effective um, as far as training. If if it's that or a robot and, you know, similar price, all that sort of thing, I'd definitely go with a robot um, to start off with. But, um, yeah, I mean, there is no substitute for a practice partner. But as we've, as we've got a lot of feedback from a lot of you, um, sometimes practice partners just aren't available. So... I would, if, if you had the option, I'd go with the robot ahead of the return board. Okay, very good. So really you're sort of thinking, Alice, a practice partner or someone to give you multi-ball is ideal. If you can't get any of those, robot first ahead of a return board. Yeah, that's that would be my order of preference, yes. All right, got it. All right, thanks for the question, Donato. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, and you're able to, you know, get some good practice moving forward. All right. Miguel says, I love playing table tennis, but I only play at my school. I have no table at home and now on vacation will not play much. I have a park with tables near me. Do you recommend I go there or sign up at a club? What do you think of the clubs? Um, Miguel, um, always go to the club. Um, we, we really, We really like... Um, getting players to start to join clubs because 
in clubs, you're going to start to meet different players. You'll get a chance to practice, perhaps. There may even be coaches there, all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely go the club. So, um, Miguel also mentioned that he's in Porto, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and he asked whether I knew about the clubs there. I don't know much about the clubs uh, in all the different locations, but it's worth checking it out. Just go head down to a club. Um, see what it's like. Uh, yeah, if you can find some partners to play with, fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And I think hopefully if the club's got, you know, a range of players, you're going to be exposed to all different styles, all different ages, types of playing, different equipment. You're just going to learn so much. Uh, it's going to be a great, enjoyable experience. So, um, yeah, see if you can find a club and get on down there. We highly recommend it. Um. All right, Alois. Um, Dear Donna has just jumped on and asked us a question using the Google Plus Q&A button. And he said, Hi, dearest Jeff and Alois. What kind of muscle exercises do you recommend for a topspin-oriented player? Yeah, so, Dear Donna, um, the most important thing, and we talked a little bit about this well, I don't know, last week perhaps, um, about what's the most important muscles. And it, for me, it's definitely your legs, your quads are the, the key there. So um, exercises around that is are important. But, I mean, firstly, you need to think about just doing some general um, strengthening work with the whole of your body. Um, but then if, you, if you're trying to think about spe- specifics if, and – if there's only one muscle that you want to uh, or can work on, then definitely legs and quads uh, because that's where your power comes from as a topspin player, um, as a defender for everyone. That's where your, your speed as well, so your speed for moving. So, yeah. But, Dudonay, um, if you can get to a, a gym, a gymnasium, um, speak to someone that has experience in um, in physical training and you might need to go there and just show them the movements that you do in table tennis. They may not necessarily understand those movements. So you need to go to the um, gym, show them what you're uh, thinking about, or even just show them some video of yourself playing or video of the top table tennis players playing. And then um, they might be able to tailor programs around that as well. Excellent. Good advice, Alois. Thanks for the question, dear Donna. Well, that wraps up uh, this Ask the Coach show. Um, make sure you check out our website at pingskills.com. We've got lots of great information on the website. I'm about to cough. Hold on one second. We haven't talked about the competition. Oh, yes. Let's talk about the competition. Yeah, so we, we did have run a competition um, with the Australian Open to pick the winners, but unfortunately no one picked the winners. Um, So we will have to have a little bit of a think about it um, overnight. And um, we're thinking of perhaps um, increasing the prize and uh, rolling it forward to, to the Japan Open. So that's our thoughts at this stage. It is indeed. So stay tuned for uh, more information about the competition. 
And in the meantime, check out pingskills.com. If you haven't already, sign up there for your free account. You'll get access to our free newsletter with lots of great tips. Um, You'll be able to comment on our blog, ask Alloys any questions using the Ask the Coach page, comment on questions, really get involved with the site. Um, So, yeah, go to pingskills.com and sign up for your free account today. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show, and thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom. Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and uh, it was great commentating um, on the weekend with you, and uh, if you get a chance, check out our commentary. You know, it's reasonable. Hit some like buttons or something. I don't know. Yeah, do all that kind of stuff. Sounds good. And a big thanks to the ITTF for uh, inviting us up to commentate, and a big congratulations to them on a great event. See you all tomorrow. Bye.